Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you today on Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Uh, it's it's a good morning, but it's nice temperature where we are, which is good. Phew! But uh, I've got some great stuff going for you today. We have a great conversation with uh, Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray today. Uh, we're we've started a series last week on don't forget the basics, and really this is gonna be about the journey of growing in grace. And uh, you're gonna love the next couple conversations. So we have part one today, or sorry, part one was last week. Today's part two. Part three is next week, and we're we'll see how far this goes. But I think you're going to be encouraged by the whole idea of um, uh, looking back in your own life to see how you have been growing, how, how your thinking has changed, how your um, theology has developed, uh, how it's been challenged, um, where do you sit now, uh, all that stuff. So I, th- I think this is going to be great. So if, you're, if you've had uh, some questions about faith and wait a minute, I don't know what I believe anymore. This is going to be great, a great series to l- listen to. And these two guys are amazing. Uh, I, I love hearing their hearts. Um, and just a heads up, you'll see in the description, um, you'll see uh, where to find uh, Bill Thrasher. He's got a Facebook page called the Jesus Purpose Community. And then um, uh, Richard Murray has a, a page called the goodness of God.com. So make sure you go visit those. Um, I've also posted a link to what's called Parking Lot Theology. And this is where Richard takes uh, three or four Four minutes maybe five minutes at the most um and just sits down in his car and has a talk about some pretty big topics and i think you're gonna like the list i think there's 55 topics so far over the last little while he doesn't do it every week he just doesn't whenever he feels led to to record something so go and watch them they're a quick listen and there's some pretty deep subjects there that may raise your eyebrows. But for today, let's get into this whole um, uh, uh, conversation with uh, Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray and myself as we discuss the journey of grace and looking back at the basics that we have either grown from or have matured in. Here we go. This is uh, Mike Zenker with uh, Still Growing in Grace. And we got Bill Thrasher and we got our wonderful Richard Murray uh, joining us today. We are going to continue what we started last week. Um, we were beginning to talk about the journey of grace. So, Richard, you just begin to fill in. I don't know if you got to watch the episode yet or not. Um, but we began talking about those things we grew from way back and we didn't want to forget where we've come from in our faith because so many in the Christian world are still stuck in a very religious legalistic mindset and uh, unfortunately many who have grown in grace have become almost obnoxious and snooty about it as if they forget where they've come from and I want to encourage us to stay grounded and not forget those who are still trying to understand they know there's something true about what we're saying they can't put the finger on it. and we can put them off or we can invite them in. So that's kind of where we're going with that. Right, Bill? Am I, am I summarizing it fine? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So do you remember what we talked about last week with the key theme was you had brought it up. That was a really big one for one of those key things that uh, changed you or inspired you. What was one of the big, the big revelations for you at the very beginning? Do you remember what that was? Well, there were, I know there were a couple of the tree of life yeah. and the tree of knowledge. Yes. 
That was one. The second one was the idea that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Yeah. Right. That was cool. Now, do, would you, do you have anything further back than that? Cause that, unless you got that or right away, so, I never got that right away. That was like, that was like uh, middle to, uh, for me, you know, I got, I got stuck with just the tree of life was one and then uh, old nature versus new nature. Like we forget those are still things people wrestle I think with. He, Hebrews 10, three, when I heard that verse really clearly, it, it was early for me. And I think that helped me though, mm. because that became a filter very so quickly. Lucky. It was, but I would say there was one thing prior to that. And it was interesting. I know Richard probably has a similar story, but in a, a tangential way. Um, the one thing I would say that came before that, oddly enough, really was a, a disassembly of my understandings around the scientific world um, and um, Newtonian creation, to believe it or not, um, and looking at it through a a biblical lens, you know, not to use that word, but to the, the, the start thinking that people like Q Ross uh, and his organization, if you're not familiar with him, I encourage anybody to check that out, reasons.org, great group to look at, to, to start thinking about um, using modern science and the test, testings of modern science to provide continuity and, and, and alignment with with what the scriptures say that these things don't need to reside in conflict the idea of special revelation and general revelation walking in harmony doesn't need to be something we need to fear and so i guess if anything predated those other two tree of life tree of knowledge of good and evil and jesus's exact representation of god it was really beginning the path of walking where i could i could look for testable tangible components of science or the and science isn't a thing just to, you know, science is a process. Mm. And it's one of the big confusion points I hear from a lot of people. Well, science says, science doesn't say anything. Science leads us to conclusions and those conclusions then become testable the next time, right? And questionable again, it's always questioning. Uh, but taking the results of those very in-depth questions, you know, Second Thessalonians says, uh, test all things, hold on to the good. Taking that model that Paul gives us and applying that not only to, to the, the real world general revelation that we have, but then also then starting to apply that to, to scripture as well. And, and, and bringing those things into harmony and not thinking that, well, this, the Bible says something and what I see out here has to be false or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Richard, what's, what's something you learned way back that you may have forgotten about that was so important for you? It's a page turner, mind turner, change turner. And then I want to talk about your post yesterday about your three decades. Okay. Probably for me, it was the concept of spirit, soul, and body. Um, there are a lot of good teachings on there, uh, out there about those. Watchman Nee famously wrote The Spiritual Man, which talks about those. And part of that was the latent power of the soul. But um, it's really uh, an understudied and undertaught concept of, that really helps us identify, you know, there, there seems to me to be always three things in the stream, not two. You know, duality says there's two, but that Trinitarian threeness kind of breaks that yoke off that and makes it a little, it gives you more elbow room. You're not quite so, it's either this or that. And uh, spirit, soul, and body, the person, my spiritual father taught it to me. His name was Dewey Hammond, and he had a very, uh, very good grasp of it. And um, it really helps to identify 
especially in the in the realm of soul versus spirit, that the soulish man doesn't understand the things of God. That Greek word is sukikos, but it's one who operates out of his mind and not out of his spirit. And of course, even when we can talk about spirit, soul, and body, we can still be operating out of our mind and not our spirit. What? So it it, <laughs> it keeps a it keeps a healthy uh, awe and a, a healthy mysticism that uh, that we know that if we're not operating from the spirit, if we're not yielding to the spirit, I mean, the sons of the sons of God, the children of God are those who are led by the spirit of God. You know, that's not chopped liver. That means something, you know, something very important. And, the, and, and how the logos of God, which is Jesus, it's not the scriptures, it's Jesus divides uh, spirit and soul. You know, it divides what's of our own thought versus what's of the thought of the indwelling presence. So, so for me, that just, uh, and it, it explains so many, it, it explains the, the different tenses of salvation too. You know, you were saved. Well, you know, your spirit were, was saved. Your soul is being saved day by day through the mm. renewing of the mind and your body will be saved. So there's three tenses there. So that, that probably to me was a sort of a template that, that um, let me move through these other areas with, with, a, with a balance, I, I think. So back then with the idea of body and soul and spirit, was there, like, I grew up with the idea that we're bad and we're dead. So um, when I first started learning identity, uh, there was a three concentric circles, a three circles, and there was body, soul, spirit. Do you remember those diagrams? Sure, sure. Those helped me. But in the last number of years, I'm going to show it to you. Uh, this, this is my revision of the document or diagram that I now see, because I think the more I dig into dualism and realize we, we've created so much separation in our theology, uh, this, this image, tell me what you think of this. But this is the biblical picture of mankind, where we have our brain actions and senses in our body. We've got our soul, will, and emotions. That used to be the outside circle. And then our spirit was supposed to be the inside circle. But mm -hmm. what I've since learned is that um, only the spirit can figure out the difference between soul and spirit, if, if that's even possible. And though sometimes the words are interchangeable, and I realized we've created a new absolute with wrong diagrams. And so I wanted to give it a little more flexibility and realize spirit soul could be the same thing here. There may be more connected here than we know or have been told. Even the heart's not even mentioned there. What's, what's the heart? So this diagram did help me, but I'm not done learning. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I think that, um, I think that for me, the, the, the heart is the doorway between the spirit and the soul, but it, it oh. hinges either way. It hinges into the spirit. It, it hinges into the soul. And it's like it's a bar so door. Much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not so much that one is bad. I mean, they're all good. Our soul is good. But it's it's the soul that's in submission to the spirit. It's just that it's it's getting in the flow and letting because it's the spirit of God that renews our minds. So the spirit is entering into the soul realm. So, I mean, it, it is oversimplified. You know, there's a yeah. there's a, a word I learned recently that I'm, I'm just using the heck out of. And it's, it's called uh, it's reductive. If something is reductive, it means you've reduced it to really oversimplicity. Mm. And some of these diagrams, some of what we learned early you know, maybe a little more advanced than like a, a chick track, but some of it's not, you know, that chick track really redu reduced everything. I'm scared the hell right out of you. you yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, what we want to do is not be reductive in all this. And um, Einstein, I share this all the time, but Einstein said, make things as simple as possible, but not simpler. Mm. And uh, I, I think that that's, you know, what we tend to, uh, 
you know, fall into. We try to make things simpler than possible and we lose nuance. We lose evolution. You know, the I was reading um, yesterday um, about something called the Elan Vital. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right. It's a French term, but it basically uh, means it's that life force in us that drives us to evolve. You know, it's not just that you're living. It's the thing that drives us to evolve and to improve. And one of the encouraging things I see with all this deconstruction that's going on is there is a force in us that's driving us to evolve, to, to go past these things that want to weigh us down and solidify us and cement us and paralyze us and concrete us, whatever you want to say. Um, but there's there's this life force that keeps driving us to go. Uh, and it's a good thing, you know, because uh, there's no life take- in concrete, really. Well, it's scientifically, there probably is some movement, but either way, the, being so solid, there's no wiggle room. So once no. we lock it in, we don't have to think about it anymore. And we move it over there onto the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no yeah, mystery absolutely. anymore. Yeah, absolutely. We, and that's how every revival and, you know, I, I, I'm even open to reevaluating revivals. But but, you know, the I think what happens is they there is a move of God, a move of the spirit, a move of expectancy and a move of excitement, a move of awe. And then somebody comes in and concretes it to something, you know, that, uh, and then Markets it dies. Yeah. <laughs> and market it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So to be, to be shapeless. And here's another word, as long as we're throwing, uh, you know, I've been one throwing words, but I uh, love it. Uh, Keep it coming. This, this concept of being protean, uh, protean is this, is this, you know, it's used to the new diet. Uh, <laughs> the protein diet. <laughs> it's this concept of, a, of a, how a cell is, just pulsates and moves and is fluid and it doesn't take one shape. It's just wow. continually, uh, you know, pulsating, undulating, changing shapes. And uh, and that's what I, I see us, you know, as is, is that what the body of Christ, we're, we should be out there pulsating. They should, you know, the spirit. No one knows where the spirit's coming from, where it's going, you know. And so ADHD. We should be Look, a squirrel. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it, you, you're right. And I think that, you know, I've had this conversation multiple times um, with people who, who, you know, that's where legalism starts to step in in the most kind of unpredictable or maybe predictably unpredictable ways is anytime we become conformed to an absolute way that the spirit's going to work, we've, we've harnessed uh, or we've, we've actually stepped out of the ability, the spirit to work the way that's unexpected, but probable may or you know possible maybe all things are possible right i think you're right i think that that idea of having fluidity in any given moment allows a spirit to to work within us in the most unanticipated of ways and can manifest some things that that are just beautiful but jesus did that right jesus walked in such a open-hearted way to what the father was 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 doing such a responsive way that that the people around him were regularly offended or confused and we we've we've lost so much of that in the institutionalization of our religion and the re-emergence of embedded legalism and all those things and and you know that's another kind of i guess component to where grace this this beginning starts to take you it really is a liberation um of 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 everything and that's that's scary but it's also beautiful mm. um one of the things that, that richard said there that 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 trinitarian kind of thing that we are you know body soul and spirit or body mind and spirit however you want to interchange those we we are also made in that image of god right and that brings that all the way back that one of one of the things i think that's so 
interesting in the church is we're, we're conscientious of the spirit, or we should be. We, we, we're really concerned with our souls, but even the body, it elevates the, the physical, tangible human experience in the, in the flesh, exactly as Christ was, to being just as holy as the mind and the soul. And I think that's lost in our world, too, just to kind of add on, you know, that, that, that we see unhealthiness in the body pervasive in our society and how much of that is an identity issue that's manifesting itself in in duality i don't feel good or i do i feel bad or i feel good right and there's so much more than that i think even the flesh that we carry when we understand it's you know you had one outside and it's really just one circle yes that's the union yep so imagine moving from not understanding any of those circles to three circles, because now we separated it, right? Yes, now right. we got sin somewhere stuck in between two of them, but not touching the spirit. But then you go dig deeper. So wait a minute, this is an illusion. So I think the uh, the awakening that's happening from maybe that's probably what's going on is what we learned before or what we've grown from is just peeled back layers constantly uh, to the awakening of who we truly already are. And it's just too good to be true. Like, really, we can't be like God, seriously. You know, made in the image of God, we, we're stuck with the idea of man being made in the image of God, not man made in the image of God. Like, the, the emphasis is totally backwards. So this is good. Yeah. Richard, you, you had um, posted something about your three decades of faith, and I, you, it was just a sentence of each. Can you go over that with us a little bit because i was really interested in what those stages were and if we get just through that in this first uh, episode today fine but there's something really powerful that connected to what uh, bill and i were talking about last week oh well, good well um i just in retrospect i i never planned it i never anticipated it i it just happened that uh, that going through three decades uh i've been christian over 30 years now slightly but um you know and i came i came you know, to Christianity late. I mean, I was 29, I believe, um, when I, when I, I received Jesus and recognized him. And, um, the first, the first 10 years, uh, the first 10 years, uh, I basically was in the, um, charismatic movement more or less. And, um, some word of faith, uh, and you know, where I was at at the time that, that was, that was good for me. It showed me, just basically the pulsating presence and reality of God that he did want to bless us. There's a real, there's a real uh, motive of goodness that's in the charismatic movement. They lose it. They have burps, you know, they have, but they hit the road, the uh, speed bumps, and then they go, you know, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll throw some wrath in there. But overall, some of those teachers, Charles Capps and, and even Kenneth Hagin and several others, they really believed in a good God. They believe you don't blame him. Okay. And that set me off on a course for 10 years of disbelieving in a God who did want to communicate with us, who that Jesus was the sole uh, mediator. There was no mediator and that we could believe for better things, for better and brighter things. That's simple stuff. And is it misused? Sure. Our people believe in it, not for better and brighter things, but every duller. kid has that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but at least they've got the guts to sit there and, and start wanting to believe in the goodness of God and where those implications of that goodness take us. Not that, we, not that we can have precise answers on everything, but we can at least have a posture, a posture of goodness mm. that we can remain hopeful in and upright. And uh, so that was my first 10 years. And then, um, 
and, and really without knowing it, that first 10 years led me into a way of approaching scripture that wasn't, uh, that wasn't logic centered, you know, that wasn't, uh, uh, based on rules and precepts and things like that. It, it, it opened the, my willingness to allow the spirit to illuminate scriptures. Then the second 10 years, I really got rich into the messianic uh, Jewish and, and, and Orthodox Jewish. I, I felt like I wanted to study the Jewish mind and the Jewish heart and understand where they came from. Uh, and really one of the biggest books for me is one of the smallest books. And that's uh, I and thou by Martin Buber. When I read that it, it's the whole thing is about relation. The whole thing is about relationship that, that God is in the realm of the between. And I know he's within us too, but the, there's a between going on and that everything that matters when you and I are talking, you're there, I'm here, but where we communicate and touch base is in this realm of the between. And that's kind of that protean thing we were talking about, you know, wow. that how we're communicating and how we're flowing with each other and how special that is and can be. Uh, so the currency, I've said this before, but the currency of the Hebrew heart is relationship. And I, it wasn't for me at the time. I, and I, I learned a lot and I learned to value it and prioritize it. I, I uh, you know, obviously there's some Jewish parts of Jewish theodicy, which has to do with the, you know, explanation of evil that I disagree with. But um, uh, but overall, they, there's a very mystical uh, and relational element that they have. That's that's also grounded in just he's with us. He sits. He's right. He's right up in our face. You know, he uh, you know, he's always there as if he's sitting opposite us, you know, t talking with us. And that's 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 powerful. And then the third decade was just when I went back to the early church and started studying the church fathers and mothers and saw that they dealt with all these issues. And you could see that you could see some of them in the Latin church just start the stuff that began the you know, the, uh, the, the wrath, uh, in the church, the Latin church and the Western church, um, as smart as some of those fellows and, 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 uh, uh, women were, uh, they still gave place to wrath. Whereas the Eastern church was much more wrath free. Uh, and that's where you find the majority of the, of the teachings about hell being not a place of punishment, but a place of healing, you know, a temporary place of healing where God takes us on a walkabout to cure our soul you know, of, of the fracture that never got healed during our earthly lives. Wow. Um, so seeing the way the fathers uh, dealt with these things, and I'm sure there are exceptions. There's Tertullian who sat up there and watched people tortured in hell. And this, he said, we'd all have a raising flags and jump like in a stadium while they suffered it and melted in the, in the flames of hell. Well, of course that's nuts. You know, that's yep. nuts, but it's nowhere. That's nowhere to be found in the Eastern thinking. You know, um, and there it was all about thera therapy. It was all about therapeutic. Wow. Healing. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, and how they approach scripture, too. They didn't read it with a modern hermeneutic. Uh, they didn't uh, you know, they didn't have to, uh, uh, you know, apply these hermeneutical principles. They they apply. They were looking for Jesus. They interpreted every scripture in light of Jesus that's and right. Jesus you know, following Paul's thing about making Christ preeminent in all things. They really used Christ was their temple. There was no right. other temple. And, Not the uh, Bible? <laughs> well, only in as much the the Bible was in an inert state until you started reading it Christologically. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, that's those are those are the th my three decades. It's interesting to, to to take two of the things and kind of circle them back to where we started the conversation. I, I, so I wrote down a couple of things. Um, my journey of 
exploration in science and faith having har harmony, right? And, and mandating harmony. If this is truth and this is truth, they must be the same, right? And forcing truth to, to rise to the surface, right? This idea of torment, which is such a word that has a, a negative connotation, but once you understand it from the touchstone original Greek that it is, it's about purification. It's about getting an element, a precious element, as pure in its essence as it possibly can be. We start to see how these, these concepts can be interesting, different, and I'm going to laugh here and kind of take a, take a left turn really intentionally, but um, this word evolution that Richard used has such a stigma inside of like tightly knit religious circles, right? Yep. Especially like Western. Crazy. Time. Like we can't be evolutionists. We're creationists. Right. And then like it's separated the church from, from this mentality of, of growth over time. Cause that's all evolution is change over time, growth over time. And one of the things that sparked for me, and it's such a minor thing, and yet I don't know anybody else personally that's ever said it. I'm sure somebody has, but there are these camps. You have evolution camps, you have creation camps, you have feel, you know, theology, evolutionary camps. You have all these kind of camps. And I, I got one day, Holy Spirit just was like, why does it have to be one? Well, I mean, if God wanted to make a platypus and go, because only we one go, person can be right, right? This right? is yeah. Oh, and then but if he wanted to take this other, you know, creature and, and slowly develop it and change it over the course of m millennia, doesn't artists not use different paintbrushes? And I mean, it was a revelation for me. It was so simple. It really is that that we don't have to be. It goes back to that fluidity, right? I don't have to be dogmatic about one thing, and that has to be the way God works, and that has to be the way God be, and all these other things. And it, it really gave me that understanding that when we go back to that Trinitarian, come back full circle view, that 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 image of God isn't Father, it isn't Son, it isn't Spirit. God, just like Richard was kind of alluding to, is the relationship of other-centric love mm. between those three. God isn't any one of those three. No. He's the, the bonding of That's good. That's good. Like, like that's mind-blowing when you understand yeah. it. But, and that is, and it is not, there's a paradox there that's just mystical. And that, that's where we can rest. It, when, especially when we know that Jesus the crucified Christ is really the quintessential tangible essence of that personality, that personhood, right? Cause now then you get back to the question of what's that like, what's, you know, and, and when you know, it's like Jesus, we kind of, that's good news, <laughs> right? That's really good news. Amen. So in your journey, Richard, from going through those phases, how has your picture of, uh, Jesus being just like the father um, developed in that. Cause that's, uh, we talked about that last week a little bit, yeah. just before we wrap, I want this to be the wrap up for this first, first episode or today's episode. Then we'll go into switching to the next one, but how does that played in? Cause that's got to have played in. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I think that my, my, my view of them in the spirit has become more homogenous. And by that, I mean, they're, they are the, their nature is the same. One's not angry. 
you know, and the other one's uh, loving and forgiving. That is Good so cop, bad cop. I know, I know, I know. Um, Mighty Smiter, you know, and then uh, you, you beg your father not to smite. Uh, and it, it's just crazy. I mean, if we did that kind of stuff today, people would uh, think that we're crazy, you know, to pray God to stay his wrath or, or um, you know, Moses talking God out of being wrathful. Oh, really? You talk to God out of being <laughs> wrathful. Wow. How does that work? I think he's the one that talks us out of being wrathful. That's you right. know, it's just well, the, the disciples even they said, hey, should we call on uh, uh, fire from heaven on these people? Remember? Because yeah. they're, they're going to get in trouble. And Jesus said, are you kidding? They were rooted in the old system. Yeah. And that, that's a good example. He said, you know not what spirit you're of. And that's really our dilemma on this earth. When, we, when, we're, when we're operating out of the soul realm or whatever, we don't know what spirit we're, we're really operating out of. And we're being manipulated and, and misled. And, you know, we can, you know, talk sometime about what, what contributes to that. But um, it's all about, you know, it's, it's all about recognizing the nature of God. I don't think anything gets catalyzed in, uh, until we recognize the goodness of God on some level. And I'm not saying we have to have a perfect understanding of it, but when you start believing in a, in a good God, a, a God that is a loving father and one that, uh, you know, isn't looking to just wave his wand and save you from pain, but one that's teaching you through the pain, not using the pain. All right. But he's teaching you to navigate and to evolve as a human being past it. That's right. And, 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 and to learn, um, you know, I posted something from Leonard Cohen today about everything has a crack on it. So the light yeah. can get in, you know, and that's, that's, uh, um, so, so when, when I, I think when I first started, I would have seen Jesus and the Abba having a different personality. And uh, now I'm so, I'm so they're, they're the same. And right. really, I think if there's a mantra that I would, recommend someone buy into it's essentially this that if jesus didn't do it i mean if jesus wouldn't do it the father didn't do it and the spirit won't do it that's right all right so i mean i, I think that. that that's a i think that's a pretty good because they are one they are they are three chord strand and they're whatever one is the other are but but at the same time like bill was saying they're still interacting with each other and deferring you know, there's always a deferring where the son defers to the father and the, and the, and, and the spirit defers to the son. And, 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 you know, uh, there's just a continual deferring. And so did you, did you find then that your Hebrew uh, Jewish study through that, that would make more sense than in the Western, because it's, you're starting to sound like this, uh, because in the, in the West, we have this idea of hierarchy, which is huge. Right. Mm -hmm. But what you're telling us from the Hebrew study, it's about relationship. So the idea of uh, submitting one to another is not weird, but here it is in the West. And maybe yeah. that's a point we can bring into the next conversation. Okay, let's do that. All right. Because I think there's, there's a word I have that I think will play into that. So if you're right. watching this one, you need to watch the next one. There's your Perfect. plug, Mike. All right. We'll do that. Let's wrap this up. Thank you for watching today. This is part uh, two of a series we're in, and we're going to jump right into part three. So you'll get to watch that when it's released after. Um, but thank you, everyone. Thank you, Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray. Um, and I'm Mike Zenker, your host. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Oh, man, that was a fun conversation. Oh, boy. And uh, you're going to really enjoy next week uh, when we do part two of that one or part three, really. Um, but a lot of fun. I, I like that quote from Leonard Cohen, you know, everybody's got a crack so the light can get in. But I think it's reversed. I think I think uh, we if we have a crack so the light can get out. 
we don't realize the light is already in us. It's pretty cool. I want to say hello to a few folks that uh, chimed in uh, in the comments today. So Art, hey buddy, really, really good to see you online there. I hope Karen's doing well and your family. Lisa, thank you for chiming in and your comments. Yeah, um, engaging this stuff's really, really cool. Danny, hello and thank you for commenting. Joy, haha, <laughs> uh, had a great chance to uh, meet with your husband yesterday. That was really cool. Um, but thank you again for all those comments. It's a, it's a really deep thing. And Jesse, hey, good, good to see you online, buddy. Um, thrilled you're, you're there. All right, that's it. Um, join us next week as we get into some really, really, uh, uh, well, the continuation of this conversation. If you like this one, it's great. Plus, go look in the, co on the um, description of today's program and uh, go visit those websites. But look up Richard's, um, Richard Murray's uh, uh, Parking Lot Theology. Jesse, you're going to like the Parking Lot Theology. I know it. But just because there's a whole ton of them and they're really short, they're, they're fast, deep, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. All right, that's all I got. You guys have a really, really fantastic day. We'll catch you next time on Still Growing in Grace. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.